0: Today, on Not Sam Wrestling, we talk about the life and times of superstar Billy Graham, the new TV deal for AEW, and, oh yeah, John Cena's in studio. This is Not Sam Wrestling. This is Not
1: Sam Wrestling. Wrestling.
0: Introducing your host from New York, here is Sam Roberts. Sam. My oh my, what a show it's gonna be today! Welcome to Not Sam Wrestling. It has been—it's uh, been a content explosion on all ends. Okay, in the Not Sam Wrestling world, we're gonna get to all of our regular stuff today. I got uh, so much to say about Superstar Billy Graham. I got uh, plenty to say about the new AEW TV deal and all the rumors that surrounded that and still kind of uh, are, are, are 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 just over its head. Um, and of course, we'll get to the emails as we always do. But uh, it's been a big interview week on Thursday, I want to say, Thursday morning. We dropped uh, a special bonus episode of the podcast, not just for Patreon, but for all Not Sam Wrestling subscribers. It went to the podcast feed. It went to the Not Sam Wrestling YouTube channel. Tiffany Stratton, if you missed the interview with Tiffany Stratton midweek, go back and listen to it. It's fascinating. I mean, this is somebody who, for a person who didn't come from this world of professional wrestling, just understands character work, you know? I mean, it's one of those interviews where she's kind of drifting in and out of character the whole time, which, I mean, honestly, as a fan, not even as an interviewer, but as a fan, those are kind of my favorite interviews when a when a superstar can make their character work so that they can do an interview, you know, like one would do for this show without losing the full character and still not sounding like a fool. Very impressive. So Tiffany Stratton, but the big interview, John Cena. I had the opportunity to sit down with John Cena over at Sirius XM. Uh, we got to play this interview first for you guys that listen to Jim and Sam on Sirius uh, on Thursday. We played it, but John Cena, of course, in New York doing press for Fast X, which is in theaters now. And I mean, I think as wrestling fans, supporting our superstars going on to these other avenues is essential. John Cena succeeding in movies is good for the wrestling business. Period. End of statement. It's going to it's going to make people within wrestling think of how big they can do things and 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 how big they can get and it's going to make people outside of wrestling take the art form I think far more seriously if it becomes a feeder system for Hollywood. And after The Rock, Batista, John Cena, it seems like it's headed in that direction. Uh, who knows, you know, there are rumors about Roman Reigns going into Hollywood before long. MJF has a, a, the the Von Erichs movie coming out. There's It's, it's going to get real interesting. But John Cena is about as interesting as it gets. You never know what you're going to get. It's like a box of chocolates when you interview somebody like John Cena on a press tour. And as an interviewer, I'm ready to... Just talk about Fast X if he's just like, hey, man, I'm here to promote the movie and that's it. Uh, But if he gives me an opening, I'm going to take it. And that's what I feel like we got with John Cena. Of course, we talk about the movie, but we also talk about Brock Lesnar. I mean, the stories about Brock Lesnar are incredible we talk about the rock and the promo written on the arm we talk about going in with john's uh with with austin theory and john cena heading in for wrestlemania i finally get to talk to him about the fact that that after beating the rock at wrestlemania he never main evented at wrestlemania again and that's something that's not really brought up i think often enough and of course we talk about the evolution of the head of the table the tribal chief Roman Reigns, Uh, uh, this is is one that I was really happy with, I'm very proud of, and I'm proud that I get to share it with you guys today, ladies and gentlemen, the leader of the chain gang soldiers, John Cena.
1: The Not Sam Wrestling Interview.
0: Well, ladies and gentlemen, first time in quite a while I am here with the man himself, John Cena.
1: This is not going to be as enthusiastic as the Watch Talk
0: movie
1: was having, <laughs> which is fantastic. Thank you, though. Great to be back.
0: Yes. Yeah. No. I could have done. If I didn't want to talk Fast and Furious and wrestling with you so badly, we could have done Watch Talk. No, we'll do that
1: next time. All day. There's always time to talk watches. I love that. Look but at the Fast puns 10, out now. See it.
0: See the movie. Are you happy when you when you when you're uh, thinking about the Fast franchise? Do you get to go back to being a babyface? You're a good guy again
1: in Fast 10. So I'm I'm happy because it goes along with what happened. You know, a bad guy who gets an opportunity to kind of mirror a moment in the Fast franchise of when Dom Toretto needed a 10-second car, he got one. Mm -hmm. And then Dom Toretto, nine movies later, is able to give his brother a 10-second car. Like, that's beautiful. And I'm glad they didn't make me some sort of jaded individual, because I went through the jaded phase. And yeah. yes, it was only one movie, and in a in a perfect story, maybe two or three movies, but whatever, that moment of somebody once gave me a 10-second car. Now I'm giving you one. That's switch, see you, bye. That's coming down to save the day, throw all the heels out of the ring, and ah, come on. Yeah, big comeback. That's that moment. Yeah. So it was cool that they didn't let the, the gravity of that, because being a fast fan, like... I was involved in the 10-second car moment. Uh-huh. What the what's going on? Yeah. I'm glad that they didn't be like, and then you have to go back to being this, this, and this. No, I showed up in the same gear that you're familiar with and then evolved.
0: Yeah. And it was mean, really fun.
1: I love people know I love the fast
0: franchise. I've been a fan forever. And one of my favorite things is and it's I mean it's why I like wrestling too. It's the it's the storytelling and the sense that somebody can go, Wait, 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 wait. How did they go from just being street racers to like having cannon cars and launching off of missiles and trying to stop a bomb from blowing up very important historic uh, uh, landmarks, and I go, well, if you have a second, yeah, I'll exactly. tell you exactly over the course of ten movies, yeah, because you can actually break that down when you when you join this universe. Did you go back through to go yes. like, okay, how does this story? No, I kind
1: of, I kind of knew, but mm-hmm. I went back through to enjoy the enjoy all the films, yeah, and you know. Uh, one, they caught lightning in a bottle for sure. Mm-hmm. I don't know what executives were, were thinking the movie was going to be, and it turned out to be a phenomenon. And then two was kind of a different direction. And then three, you kind of maybe thought like, okay, this has run its course. Yes. And my favorite moment in the whole mythology is the button on three. Because mm-hmm. you know like, no, it's not over. Mm-hmm. Like you, you, the movie had changed enough to be like, okay, you can't change again. They didn't change again. They brought it back to the square one. And then from then on, it became a, it started really to become a different thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's the genius of it. That four, they almost do the refresh. Yeah. Right. And then, and then five,
1: it's like, bananas. we're going into crazy town
0: now. Bananas. Yeah. Yes. I love it. I love it. And I'm glad that you're there to be a part of it. The delayed gratification of it, right? For you to come from a world where you get not only the action part of it, right? But going back to the story, like, there's so many, in this movie, character moments where you get that pop from the audience, right? Where it's like, when you show up, it's like, oh! Yeah, it's a play the rumble entrance. Right. You've you've been a part of that and being a part of that reaction. But when you're filming a movie, you're like, I'm just assuming a year from now the reaction's
1: going to be there. Have you gotten better at kind of telling stories that way? Yeah. Uh, Yes, because I had to go through the process of, like, these things are way different. Yeah. And then realize that they're not. It's the same. You go to the Royal Rumble, and maybe you're number 16, and you have to wait 30 minutes, and that 30 minutes feels like a year. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, man, when the music plays, I hope they hope they remember me. <laughs> uh, and now it's the same thing. Just the wait is physically a year it doesn't feel like a year it is and it's fun when audiences around the world enjoy yeah it's the same thing it it's, I, I i used to say like the nuances are different you don't you're not as animated and you're not as big but only sometimes sometimes you can be big and you can be animated but it's the same thing we're trying to entertain the world we're trying to let them in on our story and hopefully you craft a character that they connect with yeah like that's the it's the same. What was for you in the wrestling world the scariest
0: moment in terms of that, right, where you're going, I hope they remember me? Because you've had a ton of returns.
1: Well, uh, scariest hope they remember me moment is every single time I'm there. And that means when you're there full time. Mm. Like I hope this is a, an area of the world that appreciates what I do, either in, a, in positive noise or negative noise. The scariest moment for me was when they were like, hey, we're going to let you go. Like, it's going to be a few months from now, and, and that's that. Because then, then I don't have the chance to be like, I hope they remember me. It's just done. So, you know, the start of my career, the uh, ruthless aggression era that everyone now romanticizes, which we so often do with the past, like, it was great. It sucked for me. I had no direction. I was asked to be a good guy when I I'd, I'd got my experience as a bad guy. So I was asked to do something new. I lost my nickname, I had my real name. So what is a John Cena? I don't know what that is. I was too stupid to realize that like I could use the two words ruthless and aggression and create a personality. I wish I I wish I could get that opportunity now because mm-hmm. I do a lot more with it. But I squandered it. And in doing so, justifiably so, they started me with Kurt Angle and then put me in a few pay-per-views with Chris Jericho. I got to I, they gave me an opportunity, plenty of opportunity. It was my miss. And then I'm working, you know, velocity and on with matches with no story or very little narrative because they just need content. And that's that's where you go to go on to your next endeavor. And I was told, like, they make uh, winter and spring cuts. And I was like, yo, you're going to be in the winter round and just letting you know. And you then, were told uh, that? Yeah, straight and then, up. And then the uh, European tour in the fall saved me. <laughs> oh. So that's my, that's my scariest moment, to know wow. that when I still didn't know my craft, um, there's been so many performers that have been uh, released from WWE and go on to really have wonderful careers elsewhere and maybe eventually come back, or, but that's fine. I, I don't think I would have come back. I don't think I would have done anything else. So it would have been like the end, see you bye, I'll try to do something different. Man. And
0: is that so... Do you keep that with you all the time? Because you go into movies, right? And you come from a place where you've achieved in WWE, where you're the guy, you know? And, the, and people in the locker room know you're the guy. And fans, whether they're cheering or booing, they know you're the guy. You're looked at as somebody who's mastered their craft. And then you go in and you start doing this other thing. Even, you know, Fast X. You don't go into Fast X as the biggest movie star on the set. Yeah.
1: Right? Well, um, I think I think that's perception. Uh, I never wanted to be the biggest star of anything. I just wanted to do like uh, I wear two watches one for time Uh and one for perspective What's that say? This is a paraphrased Teddy Roosevelt quote. that says comparison is the thief of joy This is my perspective This tells me what time it is Mm -hmm. So I don't do that I don't look uphill and be like I want to be that guy I just look at the field and say, put me on that thing.
0: And I believe that,
1: right? Like, a lot of people
0: feign humility. But something that I like about you is that, like, this tripped me out. I don't know. I've been wanting to talk to you about this for a couple years now because I just kind of came to this realization, right, that when you track your career in WWE, you hit that where you're the guy, and then you lose to The Rock at WrestleMania, which a lot of people would not want to do in the position that you were in. You get your victory back in the main event the next year. And the part that tripped me out was it's the last WrestleMania main event that you got. You didn't main event WrestleMania after that. A lot of people hold on to that spot and go, no, 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 no. Like, I'm not. I'm, I'm main eventing. I'm main eventing. I'm going to win. I'm going to win.
1: And it's not something that you ever did. Is that just not? Did it never occur to you? Not once. That is not how I operate. Mm-hmm. And I try to instill that mindset in young performers of you can you can waste your time in jockeying for a position and you can use your time i don't want to say it's a waste because it's worked successfully for people or you can just get your opportunities and make the best of them hey we need you to do a firefly funhouse match what's that i don't know all right let's get weird (laughs) uh we need you to build a wrestlemania program with the undertaker he's never going to be there and by the way for the first half of the show you got to be a fan
0: no problem. Yeah. How does that work? I don't know. Uh,
1: you just talked about a wonderful moment in MetLife Stadium. Yeah. I was on first this year.
0: Yeah? Yeah, you were. Yeah. Hey, okay. And, and by work. the way,
1: if you're keeping score, I finished second place.
0: Yeah. Yes, you did. But you came out, right? For the Austin Theory match, you came out, for you had one promo mm-hmm. right before WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. Brutality. You come out and you go, you brought up the piped in crowd noise. Yeah. Which is like, when you go out now... Do you go out going like, look, I know what this is about and we're going in the deep end? Like, do you do stuff like that knowingly so that it's like, look, theory, like this is a huge moment for you, but in order for it to be a huge moment, I need to make this difficult for you?
1: No, uh, no. Austin is great and easy to work with Uh and we wrote that together. He was in every step of the process. And there comes a point where, you know, you need some creative. Sometimes people need creative solitude. So, they're like, I'm going to go away and write my thing and then come back and run it by you and see if it's okay. And there are some guys who are just like, see you out there. Mm-hmm. I, I can dress for weddings or funerals, man. Just tell me what color suit to wear. Mm-hmm. You know, like, I don't mind. I respect everyone's process. But I do know from all my experience, if you do not have something they care about, you do not have something. That's it. So my job is to make them care. And this is not a process that I just do with Austin Theory. If you track back, and I've missed a bunch of times too. I've tried to tried to care. I've been too quirky at times, tried to be funny and failed, but I'm trying. I'm always trying to make you care. And that's that's been the way since I was doing raps. Like people would want to hear the lines, and then people wouldn't want to hear the lines. And like, yeah, you can do your rap thing. I'm just gonna kick the crap out of you in the ring fine it doesn't that doesn't matter what matters is me making them connect and believe because if they believe and maybe they laugh then they feel sad for me when you kick kick the crap out of me Mm -hmm. you know and then I can get away with something like my ethos is persistence because years from now people can be like yeah that actually kind of is what he does he's just gosh he just keeps showing up you know like man he's just here a lot
0: like that's. I feel like that's your legacy is the thing. It's like, I've been telling you this is me for
1: all these years, and it's just going to take this many years for you to realize. But that's the thing about authenticity. Yes. You, can't, you can't shake hands with someone for the first time and them know your soul. Mm-hmm. It. I'm blessed enough to be able to now, for people to reflect and see like, man, he is authentically that. He authentically has passion for the company. My goal is to authentically leave it better than when I found it. Like that's to my goal is to pass the torch up. I don't ever want to be talked about generations from now. They should be talking about Roman and whoever follows him and whoever follows him, because that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. They should be in stadiums instead of arenas every night. Like that's how it should be. That's the that's the burden that Roman has on his shoulders. You know, like. But that's the way it's supposed to go. But too many people get caught up in the I miss I'm that I'm I am a pawn on the chessboard. And someone tells me, okay, we're going to move you with this guy. We're going to do this and go. And it's the same with movies. It's not, I don't call the shots. And it's even more restricted in movies because on set, I can call the shots, but I'm not following the director into the edit. At least in live entertainment, if I want to drop a pipe bomb, I can do it. Right. And deal with the consequences afterwards. I got to be accountable. But I got my five minutes to, to throw two middle fingers up to the world. You don't have that in a movie. If you do it every take, they'll just cut on the back of your head. Like they'll cut around you to get what they want. So why not embrace the process? Work with everyone instead of against everyone. Don't think the world is against you because it's not. The wrestling business is a business and their business is to make money. And if you're of value to them, if you're of value to the movie system, if you don't cost them a tremendous amount of money, if you show up on time, if you're passionate about the work, if you know the context of the story, if you know why we're fighting, they might ask you back, and you don't need to be the last match. I had a hell of a career after the Met Life thing. Like, I don't. You don't need to be last. Nobody remembers
0: that you didn't main event. Like, that's what I mean. Like, I had to think about the. Oh my god, he didn't main event
1: after yeah. that. It's not a thing. And I think it was what did I do next? Bray. Bray. And then I won the U.S. title. Yeah, Rusev. How many people do that? Right. Like. Steve Austin in his heyday, and I love Steve, but like, hey, Steve, I know you just won in Houston, and you got you the, you, you know, you got the strap. Uh, what do you think about winning the U.S. title from from a from a guy we we might have something out of? I don't know. I don't think so. Maybe, maybe not. Right. But I just, I was just get me on the field. I don't care what it is, just get me out there. Well, let me. there's Something else I wanted to ask you about
0: forever when you talk about and again.
1: That's only my perspective. Sure. Like I say, like there is no wrong. So I don't think the other way is a waste of time, but I do know that I've gotten 20 years' worth of moments with this philosophy. So the philosophy
0: that you brought up about having control when you're on the field and being in live entertainment I think applies directly to that build of that first rock match and the moment when after weeks and weeks and weeks of just, Fruity Pebbles, this, that, you know, getting everybody to be like, he's not cool. I am cool. That one moment happens where you bring up the promo on the forearm and it's like the whole world changes in an instant. How did that feel when you were doing it? Did you make the decision in the moment and... Were there ramifications of that?
1: So that's a good question. Uh, And again, that's your perspective. Right. I'd like to think that I gave every chance to speak my best. The thing with our matchup, and I think the thing that some people might not have seen, was it is supposed to be Michael Jordan, LeBron James, both in their prime. To do that, in this scenario... You do not have to elevate the rock. Mm-hmm. He is an, he is and always will be in his own universe. I don't have to give any more steam to that rocket. Mm-hmm. To make the billing the billing, you need to elevate John. So I was punching from underneath, but still punching and just looking for whatever. and and once again, Dwayne was doing so many things, like he always does. He splits atoms and makes it work. All I was doing was WWE. That's it. And laser-focused and realizing this is the opportunity of a lifetime and realizing also that, like, this isn't uh, uh, this isn't Mike Tyson, Muhammad Ali. Right now, this is Mike Tyson, Peter McNeely. And this isn't going to draw money. So, F it. Here we go. And, of course, there are ramifications, and it led to some some genuine emotions between the two of us. But when it all began to melt away was when we decided the path of the match the day before. And Dwayne could see how easy, not only how easy I was to work with, but how adamant I wanted to, like, these are great ideas. Let's do them. Let's do whatever, man. Like, I want to make sure you're comfortable. I can do this, but I don't know. What do you think? And then afterwards... Not in the performance, not like being too smart or winking at the camera or like, F this guy. No, being fully invested in in the whole body of work, losing with humility, with embarrassment and staying there and being degraded and humiliated in front of a stadium to give Rock his moment. The moment the ice began to melt was right after when the first thing I did was went to apologize to his mom. Instead of being in the business, I hope now you can understand, I just wanted to sell tickets. And I'm sorry if I made you feel a certain way. That was not my intention. But also, from my perspective, it was kind of like a surprise party where if I told you the gig, I think maybe we would have ruined some stuff. She gave me a great hug and told me thank you. And then the next thing I went is to say the exact same thing to Dwayne. And he couldn't have been more gracious. And I know that the build wasn't easy on him. He... He has the world in in the palm of his hand and to come back and be kicked in the nuts by some cheap shot kid who's trying to make a name for himself. That sucks. He's trying to give to the business. Like, what is this guy? I get his perspective. What the F is this guy doing? I'm trying to trying to do the business a favor here. But then I explained my perspective to him. And obviously I couldn't just be like, I'm authentic. I had to prove it out there. Prove my authenticity. And then say, like, hey, man, I'm ju- I am just wanted to pack the place. And I just wanted people to be interested. And I did it the wrong way. We should have collaborated. We should have talked in hindsight. And I should have asked you, what's the best way to make us equals? Instead, I did it myself and in turn created a, a, a huge space between us, and that was my fault.
0: Wow. Wow. Did you notice the writing on the monitor before you went out there or in the ring,
1: in the moment? I had someone pointed out to me oh. and it was 30 seconds before my music played so i had something planned and just you know threw it away and <sighs> and that's also what i love about wwe it it you have to fans can see through the bs mm-hmm. if you don't believe in your character it's what i said to austin theory dude you are young you are athletic you will work for this company. You'll do interviews. You'll go X, Y, and Z. I don't believe what you do when you're out there. I don't. I said it to him personally before I said it publicly. <laughs> no, I'm serious. I said, Yeah, that it's a tough pill in, to swallow. In a room with Austin Theory, I said the reason I came back to Boston is because you can't do this yourself yet. You cannot carry a WrestleMania promo yourself yet. And if you fail, we waste the equity that I'm willing to give. And if in that match I get hurt, I hold up a production. Which puts three hundred people out of work. Let's do this right. Let let's get some equity here. And then you have to start thinking about the angles of well, what's the most important thing? And what are we really trying to tell? And what's our story? And okay, I don't I don't believe what you do. That's what I'm going with.
0: Well, look, I could sit here I mean, I think it's pretty obvious for the next
1: two weeks talking to you about this stuff, but We got time. Fast at you think so? Yeah, we got time. What's when's the next thing? Yeah, cool.
0: We got here's, th- I, here's the other thing that I like about you is that the people that you keep around you, I, it's it's people that have been around for a while. Yeah, I can t- that 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 generally tells me good things about a person's character. They
1: are simply here just to form tackle me if I'm like not doing it. <laughs> well, somebody, don't be afraid to wrap me up. Then I'm not <laughs> a, I'm not precious
0: about this. But no, that's all
1: right. Uh, Fast 10, go see it. Okay, the plug's yeah. out of the way. Go Fast see 10. the movie, 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 movie. It's super fun.
0: <laughs> Roman. Yeah. Was he a different guy when you came back? I mean, the character has evolved so tremendously. But You as, know the
1: answer to that question. I got to ask you, though. Perspective. You know the answer to that question. I mean, I know, but... To, to get him in a space to speak and have him not be able to craft what he wants to say... Mm-hmm is a young man trying to find his way. Mm -hmm. Fast forward to where he doesn't have to say a fucking word. Mm -hmm. That's a man who knows who he is. Period. Is he a different human being? Yes. He authentically, I believe what he's doing. And this is why I I was really trying to hammer this home with theory. Like it took Roman 10 years Eight years. Eight years at the top. Pushed for eight years for the light bulb to go off and be like, I'm doing it my way. I will work with who they say. I will hit my times. But I'm going to be who I really am. And I'm going to take these facets. And whether it was the pandemic that gave him his nuance, because he's such a nuanced performer. He's a film performer in live entertainment. Totally. And I think maybe the absence of people not only allowed him to be more nuanced, but it killed the polarization. You can't boo him just because you want to be on TV with your audience that night. Because uh-huh. there is no audience. And he's really good. And when you took away that thing that uh, that I built, that, okay, the company's pushing this guy, go against him just to do the thing. But he's really good. Nah, forget it. It's going to be awesome. We're, chaos. We rerun the asylum. I love that. But it doesn't help someone like Roman find confidence. And performing without an audience, in my mind, like you could just see a different human being. And everyone watching was like, And now they're they're into it because he's into it. I believe it. He doesn't have to go out there and say suffer and succotash anymore. Right. He he gives of himself. He is himself. So whatever they want, build this issue with this person. I got it. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and then, I mean... He's, like, super self-aware. He's aware of others. His ring awareness, like, he he's always been incredibly athletic. He's always been a sponge. But like, he's a very in, intellectual individual as well. That's a lot... Of, people don't necessarily know that about him. Like, he's super smart. And he just needed that perfect storm to get going. So when I talk to somebody like Theory, who's got stars in his eyes, and at 25 thinks he's got you know a a long road in front of him I'm like man you you really need to start now failing don't just perform fail like a lot and then one day you'll get it Mm -hmm. you need to have like 85 suffering succotash moments
0: when were you done failing like what was the moment where you were like okay I've I've at least figured out who I am doesn't exist when did you figure out who you were when you felt
1: like no, they, I'm I'm comfortable in my skin here. I know uh, when they when I was shipped from L. A. to Kentucky, and was given the you're the understudy of someone who calls himself the role model but is nefarious. I was like yo, I get that. And then they changed my name to my real name, mm-hmm. and they go out there and be a good guy. Well, what is a John Cena and what is a good guy? Right. So I'm back to square one. Mm-hmm. And then they're like yo, do you want to rap on TV? Mm-hmm. Oh yes, I do because that's a that's a larger-than-life slice of my personality that I can, like, craft, I can wear this. I got so much back, I got so much angst from, like, you got to wear boots and tights. Did you just not see that? It, you almost fired me for that. I'm going to do it this way. So there were battles I had to fight, and I, I had to prove my point, but it wasn't just a, I never, I never say no for the sake of saying no. I always say no and then give my why. And if you give me back a perspective, and your perspective is better than my why, I'm going to do your thing. I feel like, you know, when you talk about believable
0: performers, Roman is right there with Brock Lesnar now. And Brock is such an interesting case because Brock hit a different level as a, you know, spectator for me. First, he beat the streak. And then he killed you yeah. at the SummerSlam after. And after that, it was like Brock kills everybody. For you, who's a guy who's like, tell me what you want me to do and I'm going to make the best out of it. When you find out here's the plan, Brock's going to kill you and then Brock wins. Yeah. And that's the story. Are you going, huh, that's the story? Or are you like, okay, it's time to make Brock. This is good. Yeah.
1: And I think the reason I still have that perspective is I wasn't just, here's the great thing. I'm using Brock as an example only because it, it fits the narrative. Brock was taken from OVW and pushed into being champion immediately. I was given an opportunity at the beginning and then became enhancement talent. And even when I re-identified myself as a hip-hop artist or a rapper, I was an enhancement talent. So I had like a two-year understudy of this is your job. This is the story. Arne Anderson, I remember, it's just not your night, kid. The story is for this. So I have great equity and like my piece is to make this interesting. Brock is one of the most giving performers when it's his time. And he will make anyone look great. But I remember uh, Brock being like, "Hey, you know, I had dinner with Steve Austin last night, and we came up with this idea where I just start suplexing you and don't stop, and then beat you." I said, "Yeah." He's like, "What do you mean?" I was like, "Well, we both collectively agreed that you just beat the streak. We ruin that if we have a 50-50 match. It's not my night, kid." Arn Anderson in the back of my head. I hope he understands the uh, the influence he had on on my wisdom of of this. It's not my night. How do you showcase the enormity of that win? How do we not waste the Undertaker's streak? It's not just Brock winning a match. It's all those matches that he had to lead up to losing. If I go out and have a 50-50 match and he just sneaks over, we wasted all that. But if you take that unbelievable feat with another unbelievable feat, now we have passed the energy. And that is how you make someone. And then that someone can make others. And that's how the business works. You have to be able to work together. People, oftentimes in life, this is not just business-wise. They're just, we got to see life through our own lens. And we got to, you know, self-preservation is a lot of what we do. But you can, you can survive and thrive by also being generous and being giving and working with others.
0: Well, John Cena, I am so glad that you've uh, th- that we've gotten to a place where you are, I feel like,
1: finally universally beloved amongst <laughs> wrestling fans. At, this is just a moment in the timeline. homie. Yeah. This is a moment. <laughs> I, I will have, you know, I can only perform at a certain level now. And I also know that, like, the sun is setting and I know that it's going to be time to go. And I also know that my passion runs so deep that I'm going to flirt with that line. Mm-hmm. And there may be a time where it's like, bro, good just go. So I'm this is just this moment in time right now. I'm very grateful for it. It's very weird to go out there to like not universal good noise, but like it's it's different for me to hear. I'm appreciating it and I can take it in much more because like the show doesn't fall on my shoulders anymore. Yeah. That's which is a stress that very, very few people know about. Mm-hmm. But to not have it there, I can actually like that's why i lost it in boston like I, i'm losing it now like i couldn't um i just process the whole thing and then you look around and you're like man i got like i don't know three or four more times to see this and it's beautiful it's beautiful like the energy the atmosphere and everybody being like yeah this is this is a good thing right that's not my norm well, if I could turn that a uh, uh,
0: uh, wonderful and authentic display of emotion into a cheap shell, I Fast love it. X is also beautiful. Fast <laughs> X is the most beautiful experience you can Look have. It's at a that. blast. Uh, I appreciate you giving, being so giving of your time today, oh, John. Man. And it's uh, always
1: good to have a great talk. So this thanks. has been great, man. Thank you. Thank you.
0: So, big thanks to John Cena for being a part of the show today. I mean, the chance to get to pick that guy's brain on wrestling. And then to have him turn around and tell you, no, you can keep picking. We can keep going is such a thrill. And the idea, I mean, to me, I guess there's so much to break down. The idea of apologizing to The Rock's mom. The idea of Brock Lesnar and Steve Austin having dinner together the night before SummerSlam to figure out that finish. So much there. So much amazing stuff. Thank you to John Cena, and everybody at Sirius for making that interview possible. It was uh, absolutely awesome. So, with the interview aside, today on Not Sam Wrestling, uh, I thought it was imperative that we talk a little bit about the career of superstar Billy Graham. Uh, Of course, we lost superstar Billy Graham over the last week. Uh, He's a guy who, over the years, has had a lot of health problems, plenty of controversies. He's been in and out of the good graces of various wrestling organizations. But as we're given an opportunity to to look at the life and the career that this superstar, I was gonna say this man had, but this superstar had in the world of professional wrestling and sports entertainment, most importantly, as we know it, it's unparalleled. I mean, WWE put that video package together. And one of the keys in it is the Hall of Fame induction where Triple H is inducting him in, which is really interesting because Triple H developed this reputation for bringing people back into the fold with guys like The Ultimate Warrior, guys like Bruno San Martino. But Superstar Billy Graham was even before that and Triple H brought him back into the fold. And as he was as he was inducting him, He said the first sports entertainer. And to me, that's the legacy of superstar Billy Graham. Not just one of, because I was asked this, where do you think he ranks on the top heels of all time? And it's like, of course, top of the list. But I don't even think of superstar Billy Graham as one of the top heels of all time. I think of him as one of the most influential performers of all time. He goes far beyond a list of top heels. So, superstar Billy Graham. Uh, I think he got his start uh, in 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 he, he trained in Canada. I know, and he was wrestling in California after after being in Calgary, and he ended up really kind of honing in on who he was as the superstar in the AWA in the seventies, in like the mid seventies, is when he started to wear the bright colors, the bleach blonde hair, the tie dye, and start talking like Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali, a huge influence obviously in the promo style of superstar Billy Graham. But even before he was big in wrestling, Billy Graham was a huge bodybuilding guy, right? Billy Graham loved that world. There are are photos and, and, and sound bites of Arnold Schwarzenegger with superstar Billy Graham back in the old days in California, when that culture was just starting to become a thing. And superstar Billy Graham was one of the very first guys who not only had that promo style where he was rhyming, talking jive, but just sounding cool, egotistical. You know, it came from gorgeous George, obviously, that Muhammad Ali was able to be inspired by, but also brought that bodybuilding culture into pro wrestling and put together this package, the likes of which we hadn't seen before. Uh, I think the the height of his career as far as an in-ring performer was probably in 1977, 1978, and his run with, at the time, WWWF. Superstar Billy Graham in April of 1977, he came in, and Dave Meltzer put together a great piece in the Wrestling Observer this week, where he wrote a, a whole long piece about him, but also listed out all of his Madison Square Garden main events that he did not only over the course of the two years that he was really on this run, but also, you know, the couple that he had before 1977 and the couple that he had after 1978 when he came back in 1982 as the karate man. But, but 1977 is when he becomes the WWF champion. And this was not a title that was being passed around. Bruno Sammartino was the champion. Bruno Sammartino was as over as anybody could be to the point where apparently the world title change happened in Baltimore. You saw the clip again in the package WWE put out, Superstar Billy Graham's feet on the ropes. He pins Bruno Sammartino, becomes the WWWF champion. And it's in Baltimore, not Madison Square Garden because apparently they were so worried about riots. And Billy Graham was so, they, they, I don't know if Billy was worried, but they were so worried about Billy Graham's safety with the New York fans taking that title away from Bruno Sammartino, it was that big of a deal that they decided to do it in Baltimore where at least maybe it wouldn't get violent but that's really where you know guys of a certain age who grew up watching wrestling know this guy as that heel and you know he only held the title he won it at the very end of April 1977 and he held it until February of 1978 because of course at the time it was the babyfaces that were getting the long title runs and the heels would be the transitional champions but the stuff that he did between April, uh, May of 1977 and February of 1978, the people he defended against. He defended against Harley Race. They did a big Super Bowl of wrestling show where it was Billy Graham representing WWWF and Harley Race representing the NWA. So he defended against Harley Race. He defended against Dusty Rhodes. He defended against Mel Mascaris. At one point he defended against Gorilla Monsoon. I mean, it's just this, this, this totally classic run and it got to the point where apparently Billy didn't agree with the title being taken off of him. Knowing it was a heel territory, the story is that he was ready to be turned babyface because business was great. But it was one of those, you know, I mean, we still talk about it to this day in wrestling where the plan is the plan is the plan and it's very rare that the plan changes. And sometimes that's frustrating for fans because they're aware of it. But the plan was the plan was the plan when when Superstar Billy Graham won the title, April 30th, 1977, I believe is the date. The plan was for Bob Backlund to become the new champion in February of 1978. I hope I said 78, maybe 77, April 77, February 78. The plan was always for Bob Backlund to win the title and they weren't breaking that plan for nothing. And that is believed to be, I think he even said it in shoot interviews later, the main reason why superstar Billy Graham was only with WWWF until October of that year. He left in October. He lost the title in February. He was gone by October, as far as Madison Square Garden shows go, because he didn't agree with the decision. And when you look at it, it's like Bob Backlund was a great champion. Bob Backlund was, was not bad for business in any stretch of the imagination. But superstar Billy Graham having a long run as champion, I don't think anybody would tell you that that would be a bad idea. But the question is, what would wrestling look like if superstar Billy Graham had gotten that run? Because of course, he does end up coming back in 1982. Four years later, he has his return matches with Bob Backlund, but he's now he's doing this karate master gimmick. He doesn't look the same anymore. He's not good at karate. He's not wearing tie-dye. He's bald. Like, it just didn't... It didn't work at all. When people think of after that, that's when bald superstar Billy Graham would come out, and he was still as big as a house, and he would have the tie dye tank top and the and the goatee and everything, and that was kind of that rejuvenation of the superstar. But I think generally speaking, that run in the mid to late seventies is what people think of with superstar Billy Graham. And the reason that I ask, what would professional wrestling look like had superstar Billy Graham gotten that long title run? is because of how impactful the run being what it was, was. Superstar Billy Graham, you have to realize, influenced not only everybody around him, but everybody that came after him. A lot of of Dusty Rhodes' promo style, Dusty Rhodes' promo style kind of changed. As superstar Billy Graham was doing his thing, you'd notice Dusty Rhodes in Florida was starting to kind of adapt himself more to the Billy Graham Promo style, I think that that Ric Flair living the life of a superstar in real life, there being no cutoff, the glitz, the glamour, that came from superstar Billy Graham. It's no secret that Dusty and Rick both had great reverence for superstar Billy Graham. When you look at Hulk Hogan, the superstar that would come after Bob Backlund, the person that did launched WWE into what it is today. That was Hulk Hogan. Hulk Iron Sheik beating Bob Backlund, Hulk Hogan beating Iron Sheik makes WWE what it is today, makes sports entertainment. And if you look at Hulk Hogan, if you look at the aesthetic, if you look at the tanned, muscled body, if you look at the bleach blonde hair, whether he was balding or not, if you even if you look at the facial hair, if you listen to promos that Hulk Hogan cut early in his career, especially as a heel, everything is superstar Billy Graham. And I'm sure some of that came from Austin Idol as well, but so much of what Austin Idol was doing came from superstar Billy Graham. Jesse the Body Ventura, everything that he did, the way that he dressed, being that bodybuilder guy, having the blonde hair, the way that he talked. And this guy had a career as a commentator forever superstar Billy Graham, you go forward. It's not even, these are his peers to an extent. You go forward into an era where people would never have had the opportunity. They were done wrestling or or they hadn't started wrestling when superstar Billy Graham was finishing up, but they had grown up with this guy. Superstar Billy Graham was really one of the first guys that now you see it, right? You see people emulate the wrestlers that they grew up watching. You see a lot of Bret Hart tributes. You see a lot of tributes to a lot of different wrestlers. Superstar Billy Graham, to me, was the first person that people were doing that for. But fans may not have been fully aware of it. Scott Steiner's entire Big Papa Pump character, the whole thing was Superstar Billy Graham. The goatee, the body, the freaks, the peaks, everything about it was Superstar Billy Graham. Paul Heyman put up this amazing post, where as a kid, 19 years old, he's working an independent on TV as a commentator and they bring in superstar Billy Graham and superstar Billy Graham shaped the way Paul Heyman looked. That's Paul Heyman. Superstar Billy Graham shaped the way he looked at this thing. We say superstar Billy Graham. That word superstar is synonymous with professional wrestling because when Vince McMahon Jr. took over, when Vincent Kennedy McMahon took over the territory from his father, not too long after that, wrestling became a dirty word. Wrestler became a dirty word. When you were in the WWF at the time, you were not a wrestler, you were a superstar. Where do you think superstar came from? Where do you think the entire vision for what a sports entertainment superstar came from? Superstar Billy Graham. If you ask John Cena, the whole idea of having this body that made you a star the minute you walked through the curtain, I'm sure John Cena would easily be able to trace his roots and his inspirations back to superstar Billy Graham. I mean, everybody, when you listen to LA Night on SmackDown come out, and say, let me talk to you. And have his catchphrases and come out looking all tanned and muscled. And have his, 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 his cadence. It's superstar. LA Knight is still inspired. Clearly. The parallels are right there. By superstar Billy Graham. Triple H being a body guy. A body guy. The whole idea of a body guy, superstar. Superstar, superstar, superstar. WWE. Who, how many of us grew up watching WWF Superstars of Wrestling? The whole, the name, Billy Graham, superstar Billy Graham. There may, there are very few people within wrestling as influential as that performer, and the people who are on that list. Were influenced by Billy Graham. When you look at the people who are the most influential people in wrestling, you go Ric Flair, you go Dusty, you go Hogan. Those are the models that we compare to, and all three of those models can be traced directly back to Superstar Billy Graham. So if you haven't if you haven't gone on a YouTube loop, if you haven't looked at all of the old Superstar Billy Graham tapes yet. I would recommend doing it. Now's the time. Uh, And there's a lot of controversies. You don't need to go into all of the stuff that he did in his personal life, the times that he was against WWE, for WWE, steroids this, this guy stinks. He was very outspoken in a lot of ways. But if you just look at the in-ring career of that guy and how, I mean, essentially important he is to this thing of ours, you'll see it's incomparable. Rest in peace to superstar Billy Graham. Uh, he was also one of the first merch guys. This seems tacky to uh, uh try to fold this into a merch plug, but the Not Sam Wrestling shirts are available if you go to notsamshirts.com. I think it's notsamshirts.com. Go over to NotSam.com and click on the merch button. It should be up by the time you hear this podcast. Limited drop, seven days only. For seven days only, you're going to be able to get your hands on T-shirts, tank tops, and shorts with the brand new summer Not Sam logo on it. Beautiful quality garments, screen printed. Everything is top quality. That's why it's only available for a very limited amount of time. We're going to make them. We're going to be done. Pre-order them now, uh, uh, made to order at notsam.com. Just click on the little merch button and it'll take you right there. Um, Before we get into emails, let's talk about bidness. Let's talk about AEW Collision. The announcement gets made at Upfronts uh, that uh, AEW is adding a second show. It's confirmed. Collision is coming. Saturday nights, TNT, uh, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, two hours It's uh, supposedly going to be another A show. They said that about Rampage 2, but I have a little more faith in this one. Still a lot unconfirmed. I would hope that now that we have these two big shows, and this is just, just, it just sticks with me, that the TBS champion stays on Dynamite and the TNT champion stays on Collision. Jade Cargill is the face of Dynamite, And Wardlow is the face, both of them to an extent, of Collision. But when we talk about the face of Collision, first of all, a lot of people have a lot of stuff to say, you know, the the Collision logo, very similar to the Nitro logo. I got no problem with that. I love tipping your hat to the history of professional wrestling on TNT. As a matter of fact, I would mark out hard. I think that the whole set, if they're going to do Collision tapings the collision is going to be a live show. So when I say tapings, that's what I'm saying. But if they're going to do that separately from dynamite, then I say, make the set look completely different and bring back the original nitro set. Not only if you bring back the original nitro set, will it be a thrill to all of us that watch nitro, but then AEW action figures can put out a collision set and really get another shot in at WWE. It's brilliant. Um, I hope that they do. I hope they go all the way with these nitro themes. Uh, but the bit and, and you know there there are some saying that this is going to be a hard brand split. That was not announced officially in any way, shape, or form. So I don't know how hard it's going to be. Maybe needs a little blue promo code. Not Sam, but uh, they did say that Brian Danielson is going to be on creative for this show, which apparently he was working creative with WWE. Uh, before he uh, split over on, uh, I think, the SmackDown side, but I don't know. So uh, I think that AEW creatively has to really put their best foot forward on this collision show, especially if they don't end up getting CM Punk. That really is the news. That's the, the question. They announced, like, the first six or eight locations for collision shows, and they're in Canada which it's weird to go on a tour of Canada when you're leaving Canada and coming back every time, but they didn't announce where the first show is taking place. And that leads me to believe that where there's smoke, there's fire. Everybody this week was talking about the fact that AEW is supposed to have CM Punk in the bag, and maybe they don't anymore. And it could be related to uh, whether or not a steel is allowed in the building. And I'm not going to pretend to have any inside information about this. I have no idea whether that's true or not. I come at you from the perspective of somebody that watches the show because I wish more people would be honest about their perspective. But I think that I start to get concerned as to how locked in CM Punk is when they have not announced the location of the first show. And there are rumors, uh, I think Dave Meltzer reported this, that... Uh, they were going to do it in the, uh, what's it called? Not the, uh, all state arena, the other arena there in Chicago, the same arena they did the first dance in, um, where they did SummerSlam 94. Um, and I'm blanking on it now, but I'll think of it as soon as I drop the microphone. Uh, but if they don't have CM Punk, they're going to make a switch real quick and do it at Daly's place. So they have a backup. I feel like if they had CM Punk, but this was going to be a surprise, if they had him confirmed, then they would at least announce the venue so they could sell it out real quick because people would know he was coming, even if they didn't want to announce it. You know, I don't, I think if this is going to be a surprise debut, it'll be a soft surprise the same way the other CM Punk debut was where they want people to know, but it'll still be fun if there's some doubt leading into this. What you don't want is a lot of doubt leading into this. You don't want people being 50-50. All that said, with everybody potentially being on this show, and I don't know if MJF stays on this show. I don't know if MJF is the world champion is going to go on both shows. Um, It might be a good time to elevate the uh, international championship, put it on uh, another big star, and have the international championship be the main title of Collision. If you're going to have all these championships, why not? But I mean, I think Collision is the spot where it's the land of misfit toys. You know, already we know Thunder Rose is going to be over there. Miro's going to be over there. I think you move Eddie Kingston from Ring of Honor over there. I think you make that almost its own, you make that the alternative. AEW is supposed to be the alternative and AEW is what AEW is now. And there are fans that want an alternative even to that. Make collision that. I think with or without CM Punk, you have to make this collision show a must-watch show. Um, And I think that's going to be the goal. You know, it's going to be a lot easier to talk about this show when we actually know what's going on. A lot of people are not bothered by that one way or the other. Uh, (laughs) But uh, yeah, because that's the problem, right? All we're doing now is speculating wildly. Who knows? Who knows? I find it all so intriguing though. It's all so interesting, man. All It's weird though that somebody would be under contract and we don't know if we can get them to go to the TV show or not. You would think there'd be something in the contract that would say, but you have to do the show. You have to go to work. If I'm under contract to a place of work and they're like, yeah, we don't know if this person's coming to work. Well, I go, well, why'd you sign him then? What's the point of the contract? Let's get into the emails, right? Emails here wrestling at gmail.com. That's the email address is notsamwrestling at gmail.com. Hey, Sam, it's Big Daubery from the Discord. He's on the Discord. You can get there at patreoncom NotSamWrestling. I had a template of what stories I should believe should be on Raw. I'd have Judgment Day my top act and build around them like the bloodline. Damien and Dom would dethrone KO and Sammy due to Imperium interference. Balor would chase Rollins. Once Balor loses, I'd have him fight opponents. That have beaten Priest and Dom. This is feels very just a Judgment Day-centered story pitches. Sammy and KO will be jumped backstage after losing titles by Imperium. Upon the jumping, they write out Sammy via storyline injury for four weeks. KO gets a singles rivalry to take down Gunther. I mean, uh, yeah. Have Bronson Reed feud with the new babyface from SmackDown? With the storyline being he has been rising up the card and won't have someone to swoop in and take a spot. Rhea has uh, Natalia at the moment, but I think a babyface Bliss Rhea story is on the moon. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know, man. You just hit me with like seventeen different emails. Okay, like yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I'm not. What am I? I gave you the whole email segment. That doesn't seem fair, does it? Uh pd now this is an email what the fuck is going on with bray wyatt dude i wish i knew you talk about a story that when it was happening was the hottest thing in wrestling i couldn't pump out who is the white rabbit videos quick enough it made all of us rich the storyline was so hot and it just plummeted because it took too long to get anywhere and now it's just disappeared and i think that it's a disservice i think that The WWE needs, well, it's too late now. I think the WWE should have written him off TV. You can't just have him disappear. Like right now, they're just acting like it never happened. So I guarantee you, when Bray Wyatt comes back, people have lost faith in it, right? Because the Fiend storyline was so good, and then it started to get wonky, and then Bray Wyatt just got jobbed out at WrestleMania and disappeared. And then he came back with what was potentially gonna be great. It seemed like it was gonna be great. And then it got wonky. He had a Mountain Dew match. He challenged Bobby Lashley for WrestleMania out of nowhere. And then before the match could happen, he just disappeared. Fool me twice, shame on me. Next time he comes back, he better, Bray needs to come back no more. We're thinking too much. This is what Bray needs to do. Come back as The Fiend and just take out somebody big. Bray Wyatt as The Fiend just needs to show up on Raw and take out Bronson Reed immediately. Then we go to the pay-per-view with The Fiend versus Bronson Reed. No Uncle Howdy, no promos, no nothing. Just The Fiend beating up Bronson Reed because Bronson Reed is big, so it lends credibility. Then after Bronson Reed, maybe The Fiend can go after somebody. The Fiend just goes after mid-card opponents. Don't put the title on him. Don't get your main event guys involved with him. Don't do any of this. Just have the fiend there for a year. Beating up mid-card and upper mid-card baby faces, And you'll have a year. It's not tough. Don't overthink it. Have him come out with the head-shaped lantern. Have him beat up Bronson Reed. The bills to a pay-per-view. Come on. Is it that tough? Don't have him fight Gunther. Maybe he could fight Ludwig Kaiser and then move on to something else. He could beat Shinsuke. He can beat Shinsuke. But that's it. That's as far as it needs to go. Zach, hey, Sam, I have a couple questions for you. First, what should Cody's next storyline leading up to SummerSlam be? Second, how would you book the bloodline breaking up? Uh, uh, I like that you kept it quite, uh, you kept it, you kept it quick. Um, uh, I would say, uh, Rock is still, oh, SummerSlam. Yeah. Because there's money in the bank. Uh, I think I would go to money in the bank, maybe with Seth and Cody. I mean, uh, SummerSlam with Seth, might be Seth and Cody, although Seth's a baby face now, So I don't know, I'd have to think about it. And the bloodline breaking up, we're already seeing it. I don't need to book the bloodline breaking up. It's already happening. You know, we literally saw it on SmackDown when Roman and Solo knocked shoulders. Um, I would have it as it's happening right in front of our faces. Sam Diaz, great episode uh, last week. Um, My question for you is, Father's Day being just around the corner, uh, do you think that we'll go to eventual program between Dom and Cody? I don't know. I don't think Dom and Cody is the way to go because nobody would believe it. Like, Dominic is fun to boo, but Cody would just kill him. Like, and would have to kill him. It wouldn't make any sense for Cody's character. If Cody had any trouble beating Dominic, like for Cody fighting the bloodline, it's first he beats Damian Priest, then he beats Finn Balor, and then he's done. Like, that's the whole Dominic character. Um. Enzo says, recently found out about your podcast uh, uh, about two episodes ago. Let me tell you, it's phenomenal. Thank you very much. I want to get your take on Roman Reigns. He's on a historic run, and I feel there are only two superstars that make sense to dethrone Roman Reigns, Jey Uso or Seth Rollins. Uh, do you think it should be Jey or Seth? I'd be, not Seth. If it's either Jey or Seth, 100% Seth, because it'd be great in the moment for Jey Uso to dethrone Roman Reigns, but where do you go? Jay Uso is not going to be your top world champion singles guy. It's just not going to happen. Seth will be. Honestly, I think the question is: is it going to be Seth or Cody? Uh, Jay is a piece of the story on the way. Okay, last email. I know we've got a ton of them. Uh, this one's long, so I'm going to skip it. Uh, but we'll do a longer email segment next week. Not samwrestling at gmail.com. Dylan. Uh, The story with Edge winning the tournament didn't happen, but I don't think necessarily that ends the story with him and the medium gold belt. I know you want Logan Paul to be the briefcase holder, but let me ask you, who was the first Money in the Bank winner and the first to cash it in? The door is still open for Dom to end Edge's career in a beautiful story. Keep the hope alive. Uh, Okay, so Edge wins Money in the Bank. Edge wins Money in the Bank, takes the title off of AJ or Seth, Eventually Dom takes the title off of Edge and ends his career. Dylan. Dylan. Dylan! You may be onto something. I'm not against it. That sounds fun. And you guys are a lot of fun. Don't forget to check the website. I'll post links all over social for the t-shirts. They're going up seven days only. So get them while you can. Limited edition to however many you want to exist. Make it happen don't forget to subscribe to the YouTube channel, YouTube.com/slash/NotSamWrestling. Hit like, hit subscribe. Subscribe if you listen on audio on Spotify, Apple. Uh, leave a rating on Spotify, leave a rating and a review on Apple. And we'll see you next week right here on Not Sam Wrestling.